Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Let's bring on Alexander Pagani. Alexander Pagani, how you doing tonight? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need everybody in the chat room to write defund the demonic. Come on. Write it in the chat room, and I'm going to wait for everybody to write it in the chat room. Write defund the demonic. Amen. I love it. I love the shirt. I'm like, I have over here the Ephesians 6 shirt with the swords and the whole verse. And then he comes up in here with the bold defund the demonic. I love it, man. I love what God is doing with you. I'm excited to have you on. It's been too long. Let's just make, let's just go ahead and make a promise here before our whole audience. There's 2,300 people watching. We can never go this long again without doing a broadcast together. Okay. We're just going to go ahead and make that deal right here, right. right here live on the broadcast. Cause it has been too long. You know, when we get together, it's just like a nuclear warhead going off against Satan's kingdom. And guys, I want to say this about him before I turn him loose. There's a lot of stuff he's going to be sharing with our audience you've never heard before. I want you to have an open mind. I want you to have an open heart. Some of these demons, these idols, these things that we're going to unmask tonight are essential. And this is one of the things, Alexander, I really believe, and this is why we're doing this tonight, is that you cannot find it, fight an enemy or an army you've not identified. So many right now in the church, Alexander, we know are shadow boxing. Many of you watching right now, you're shooting into the dark. You're swinging at nothing. And we must identify our enemy before we can effectively war against it. So you might be saying, why are we talking about this? Or why about this spirit or that spirit or that false God or that idol? It's because we are exposing the works of the enemy. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says this, lest Satan should have an advantage of us we cannot right. be ignorant of his devices. And so the enemy mm -hmm. is working in darkness. And when we uncover him tonight, when we expose his works, he automatically loses power and we gain an advantage right. over him. And so I don't want to live my life, guys, with having Satan being advantageous over me. So we're going to expose him. Isaiah 513 says, therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they don't have knowledge. I feel the Holy Ghost already. Many of you have been, in capt have been captive to Satan because you don't have have the knowledge to overcome him and I'm convinced this one thing if Adam and Eve would have known the snake was the devil they would have never obeyed him but say when we don't know the enemies we fight we end up obeying these enemies through ignorance and so we got to get in this place and that's one of the reasons Alexander I love your ministry because you're exposing things other people are not exposing guys if you knew the movies you watched were open portals to demons and the things were coming out of your television you probably wouldn't be watching those shows if you knew the music you listened to was open portals you probably wouldn't be listening to it if you knew going to that psychic was going to open up portals you would have never went to the psychic if you knew that yoga was an open door to demons you wouldn't have done it if you knew that relationship was an open door to soul ties and demonic bondage so ignorance is not bliss guys let me just start by saying that ignorance is bondage when it comes to spiritual warfare and the only person that thinks ignorance is bliss is the spiritually lazy those that are lazy tonight are going to come up up in here and try to say oh you shouldn't talk about this you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't go there. Listen, just because you guys aren't going there doesn't mean we're not going to go there. We are going right to the gates of hell and we're going to assault the enemy's kingdom. We're in a war. There's an invisible war going on right now and it's time for us to wrestle against these things. Alexander, I love what God is doing with you. Thank you for being here. I'm excited for what you're going to share tonight. 
let me let me let me jump in. Also, for those of you that are, you know, into yoga, astrology, astronomy, whatever the case may be, I think what people are looking for is what we would call inspiration. You know, and what they don't fail to realize is if you break the word inspiration down, it means in spirit. Mm. Let me just, let me say that again. Let, let me say that again. So for, for many of you that just say, well, what's wrong with yoga? What, what's wrong with getting my palm red? What's wrong with, you know, sage? And what's wrong with, uh, I'm just looking for some, you know, in a world that's filled with uh, a condemnation and discouragement. I'm just looking for something uplifting and inspirational. Well, if you do the prefixes to the word inspiration, it means in spirit, which means that the uplifting is coming from a spiritual source and from a spiritual realm and from a spiritual spiritual dimension. Now that opens a whole can of worms simply because there are a whole lot of spirits that are out there. And this is the reason why we're here today. We're going to be talking to you about the pantheon of gods that are out there. So that way we can move beyond the more popularized demons that people deal with like Jezebel and witchcraft and Leviathan and Python and amen. Isaiah is going to kind of briefly touch on that. But let me just tell you something. The kingdom of darkness is vast. It is so vast that I'm going to use for the rest of tonight the typology of an ocean or an abyss. And this lets us know that the way the vastness of the ocean that covers the face of the earth, so is vast the kingdom of darkness. And we have to go beyond just some of the more popularized, you know, things that are uh, expressed either in the secular world or in the Christian environment. There are demonic spirits that are least frequently talked about um, that I believe are Satan's weapons of mass destruction. Now let, now, now, let me just throw this out there so that way you could got to understand how to approach scripture when it comes to advanced spiritual warfare. Watch this is whatever the Bible least frequently talks about is the most dangerous. Let me say it again. Mm. Whatever the Bible least frequently mentions Actually, it's heaven's way of telling you these are the most dangerous. Let me give you an example. When was the last time you heard someone teach a message or teaching series on vanity? No one. You can't remember. Why? Because vanity only shows up in scripture at least two to three times throughout the Bible, making it the most the most dangerous. Also, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you actually heard a thorough, proper biblical study on the topic of gluttony? You don't talk about gluttony. So therefore, these are the demons of uh, the kingdom of darkness that are of the utmost. They are the most dangerous. They are the most dangerous, which is why these are Satan's weapons of mass destruction. But let me just kind of throw this out there for the theologians that are kind of watching and those of you that are kind of new. Even though we're going to be stressing the importance of understanding sometime uh, these pantheon of gods, they are no match for Jesus Christ who sits on the throne. We are neither glorifying the devil, neither we are being coming demon conscious, looking for a demon under every rock. No, but we are doing what the apostle Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 2. It says that the devil would not uh, take advantage of us, be- that we are not going to be ignorant of his devices. Also, we're not going to be ignorant of the strong men that use these devices. So that's kind of like what we're going to be kind of talking about today. So put that as a rule of thumb, everyone, that whatever the Bible less frequently talks about 
it's the most dangerous. As a matter of fact, let me even go a step further. We're talking to you about vanity. Actually, we're not going to really be talking about vanity today, but to, just to tell you how uh, how dangerous vanity is, that it is one of the top demons that no one's talking about because we are on a network called Facebook. It actually is telling you, look at my face. Did you catch that revelation? Did you catch that revelation? What is vanity? Vanity is looking at yourself. It's taking a mirror and looking at yourself. Well, what is the network actually called? It's called Facebook. It means look at my face. Me, 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 me. Did you catch what I just said? Now watch this. Let me even go a step further to help break some, uh, maybe some, uh, maybe misinformed revelation concerning the devil. All right, you and I have been taught and you could go look this up. So have your Bible and pad and your pen ready. And if I'm talking fast, man, you guys should be used to this because I Isaiah talks faster than I do. All right. <laughs> Listen, you and I have been taught that Satan fell because of pride. But if you look at Ezekiel chapter 28, pride was the consequence of another sin that was there. The Bible says, because this other thing happened, your heart was lifted up with pride. So if you really read the text, pride was the consequence. It was the second thing. So you might be asking, what was the first thing? You can read this in Ezekiel 28. It says, because of your beauty. That's vanity right there. It says, because of the brightness of that which was inheritedly created and placed in you from the moment of your creation, therefore your heart was lifted up with pride. So vanity was actually the main sin. Why? Because vanity is falling in love with yourself. Did you catch what I just said? The devil was built so beautifully made by God that he fell in love with himself. And therefore he became vain with himself. The Bible says because of the multitude of his traffic and his tablets, which means all of uh, uh, everything that he was created with, he became vain. His vanity led to his pride. Watch this. Because you can't be prideful at something that you're not good at. Pride is the result of being good at something. Did, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me say that again. When a person becomes prideful, it's because they are good at something. Someone who is horrible at something is not prideful. Why? Because they are horrible at it. But if you're beautiful to look at, you get prideful. If you're good at what you speak, you get prideful. If you're good at what you do, you get prideful. Pride is the direct result of excellence. Excellence causing a person to become vain. And the Bible says because of his beauty, because he was built so masterfully made, he was, as, as a matter of fact, God even called him the sum of perfection. He says, you were the cherub of perfection, but because of your perfection, you became vain. And because you became vain, iniquity, was found in you and you became prideful. And therefore I cast thee out. So by the time a person becomes prideful, there is a series of events that actually lead to that pride. Now watch this. I'm going to prove this even a step further. Now I gave you Ezekiel. Man, I'm talking good, man. You better say something in the chat room and say, P Pagani, man, you talking good, man. Amen. Now look at this. Watch this. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. The Bible says... You and I know the story in Genesis chapter 3, where the woman 
took the fruit, ate, and gave to Adam. But if you really read the text in Genesis chapter 3, before she ate, it says the fruit was beautiful to look at. Vanity. That's what it says. And desirable to eat, which means she looked at the fruit and the fruit looked good. Let me even give you an example. Have you ever looked at food and your mouth salivating? Well, what it, what, what is actually happening? The food is causing your the food itself is causing the vanity, the vanity of I need to eat that. Now that's exactly what happened. The fruit was vain. The Bible says because she saw the fruit was beautiful to look at and desirable to eat, vanity, she ate. When she ate, pride kicked in. And that's when Lucifer's virus came down the bloodline. But let me ask you this question. After those two references of scripture, we don't find vanity coming up again only up until the epistles where the apostle Paul says, do nothing out of vain glory. That's the only time vanity shows up again. So we have Genesis chapter three, and then we have Ezekiel thousands of years later, Ezekiel chapter 28. And then another thousands of years later, we find the apostle Paul talking about do nothing out of vanity. So it watch this. So we have Let's just say seven, 6,000 years of biblical history. Let's just say if you're one of those uh, that believe that it's 1,000 years, 6,000 6, years of biblical history. That means within 6,000 years of biblical history, what we would understand as the Bible canon, vanity only showed up three times. Want to know why? Because the devil works overtime to make sure that his weapon of mass destruction is not discovered. The Bible, the Bible is also letting us know, make sure that you absolutely pay attention. Baby, you don't got a pride issue. Baby, you got to watch out for that vanity issue. It's vanity. That's a problem. Now watch this. Let me even go a step further. Notice how vanity is also connected to what we would call cosmetics. Not that cosmetics is wrong. Nothing wrong with cosmetics, makeup. But watch this. Watch this, because when a woman buys a, 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 a vanity, it's basically a place where she can sit down and, and make and adorn herself to look more beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. My wife has one, and my wife does it. But, 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 but watch this. Look at this. Look at this. The Bible says, do not be conformed. Watch this to this world. That word world is the word cosmos. It's where you and I get the word cosmetics. So let me ref let me read it to you in another way. Be not conformed to the vanity of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Watch this. So what's actually operating in the world, not that cosmetics is bad. Just I'm just trying to help you understand the typology of words that are being used here to help you understand that. So so basically the world is trying to put put makeup on you. The world is trying to put a facade on you to make you appear as you 
as you don't appear. This is why the Bible says, be careful of the spirit of Jezebel. And that's why the apostle Paul began to even go a step further and say, women adorn yourself with modesty. Not saying that jewelry is wrong. But what I am saying is I'm trying to help you understand that this level of demonic warfare is not easily discovered by reading a book. You have to press in to be able to find what are Satan's weapons of mass destruction. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to uncover a pantheon of God's small G and demonic demons to help you begin to begin to go beyond Jezebel, Python, Leviathan, witchcraft, Ahab, rebellion, Absalom, uh, lost incubus, succubus, which we'll probably deal with those today. But there are a pantheon of other gods that we're going to deal with today. So good. And as you talk about it, I think a lot of people in the chat right now are, are starting to understand what they're battling, what they're going through. I know a lot of people when we do deliverance, they say, Isaiah, how is it possible that I battled this demon for 20, 30, and you can even touch on this 40, 50 years, and I never knew it was there. And that's because no one was willing to call it out. Nobody was willing to confront the enemy. And this is one of the major issues right now in the body of Christ. Me and Alexander have both traveled extensively is that pastors are not willing to confront darkness. And and I just want to challenge every single pastor watching. God is beginning to open up your eyes. I speak this over you to the powers of the enemy. One of the things I believe God is doing this year is God is exposing Satan's works. God is exposing Satan's network, Satan's strategies. Guys, when we're going against the demonic realm, we are going against Satan's global structure, his entire kingdom. I know some of you say, well, it's no big deal, brother. I'm just casting out one demon from my neighbor. Friend, you got to understand that you casting out one demon from your neighbor you are weakening and praise the lord we just broke 3,000 viewers you are weakening satan's entire structure god did not put you in that city to play church he did not put you in that city to sit around we have to identify the strong men in our neighbor in our neighborhoods in our marriages in our families in our ministries because until we're able to identify the strong men we'll never be able to bind the strong men. that's why jesus said you guys are trying to go in there and save your family, save your friends, save your community, get everybody saved and everyone gets first saved. They want to save everybody. But then you keep hitting that wall and you don't understand why are we not making breakthrough in our community? Why are we not break making breakthrough in our personal life? Why are we not making breakthrough in the spiritual realm? And Jesus said, because you haven't dealt with the strong man. You haven't dealt with the thing that's keeping people captive. And unless you first deal, come on, where are you guys at tonight? Unless you first deal with the strong man, you'll never be able to overthrow him. So we have to identify the strong man. We have to identify what is it that we're fighting. You know, even as you're sharing that, Alexander, people are saying, I never even understood. I battled this, yet many of us are battling with vanity. We're battling with pride. We're battling with the pleasures of life. And this was the children of Israel. Always the Bible says, following after the traditions and the norms of these pagan idols, these pagan gods, these pagan people, and living their life modeled after the world, and guys, you listen to me clear. Are we talking spiritual warfare? Yes. This though leads to a consecrated lifestyle. Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. The thing that gives us power over Satan is when we don't have anything in common with him. And some of you tonight, God is going to call you to get out of bed with Satan. God is going to call you to break up with the snake. God is going to call you to remove those toxic relationships that you're indulging in and to get free and to get delivered tonight. So I believe, as Alexander's sharing, God is exposing, guys. God is exposing 
exposing you. He's exposing me. He's exposing areas of our life that we don't know. And listen, even as Alexander shares, I want some of you that might think you knew this or you knew that, let, let go of everything you think you knew and say, God, I want to learn. I want to just delete, press delete on everything I thought I knew about spiritual warfare, about your kingdom, because God wants to speak to some of you. And some of you are going to say, oh, I already this, or I already feel this, or I already feel that. Just open up your heart, open up your mind and let the Holy Spirit speak as we begin to dive into some of this stuff. Let's You're good. I hear you good. Oh, okay. My, okay. I just wanted to make sure you guys. Yeah, you're coming in smooth here. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's jump into this thing. I need to know those of you that are watching in the chat room, if you're ready. I want to dive into the word of God a little bit. Um, and that way we can lead up until a couple of uh, other demons that we kind of really want to address. But I first want to lay this out because I do want to talk about a little bit about the Nephilim, about the Nephilim mm. today and how and how we can get into uh, that. But first, let me let me let, let me say this. Let me say this, that let's first start off with what the Bible describes as the word abyss come on a b y s s the word abyss now the word abyss you can find it in a whole bunch of portions of scripture but the first time we actually find the word abyss is in the book of genesis uh genesis chapter 1 verse 2 all right it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without void and darkness was on the was upon the face of the of the deep so the word deep is synonymous uh the word deep is synonymous with the word abyss now if you connect the word abyss with the word deep the word waters are in there so i i, I, I want to help you understand so that you can biblically uh, see where where I'm headed now. Look at this because I'm trying to see if we could go down the marine spirits. I want to kind of go down that trail, but before we go there, I want to I want you to see it. So, so when the Bible says the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep, that word deep is the word abyss or abismo, or where we would get the word the waters. So many times you have read in scripture where it says God separated the waters from the heavens and the waters below. Basically what he was saying is that God was separating the, the abyss from the heavens. So with the word abyss and the word waters, this opens up a whole new world because many of you don't know this. The, the word abyss or the word waters in the beginning was actually a prison. It was not just waters. It was not just waters like we would think, oh, that water it has always existed and it was just water, H2O. No, no, no. It was a typology. It is a wordplay. The word abyss is also in the New Testament synonymous with bottomless pit. So bottomless pit, abyss, deep, deep, or the waters are actually all the same place. So what's actually happening in the text here, God is saying that the spirit of God was the warden over the prison. That he was, his spirit was moving over the prison and under the waters was a prison house. Now within the prison, these were the demonic entities that had fell uh, during the time of Satan. Now we don't, now, now watch this, we don't know exactly what happened during that time, but you and I understand it as the gap theory, which means that there was a cataclysmic uh, event that happened uh, in the heavens where the sons of God 
rebelled. Uh, Satan and his angels rebelled against the Most High, and they were banished to the bottomless pit, or they were banished to the waters, or they were banished to the abyss. And at that time, the Spirit of God was keeping them encased encased in that prison and then god began to create the heavens and the earth so let's first establish that that this is not just waters in the beginning for just water's sake uh h2o the element that you and i drink no this is typology there so the abyss is actually a prison so in the beginning there was a prison and the spirit of god moved and hovered over the prison and had those prisoners locked in the abyss at that time and then god began to create the heavens and the earth and then you and i understand the creation story now if you were to embrace that topic or that word abyss then this would allow you to open up your level of understanding in the realm of the demonic why because if you turn with me to leviticus leviticus chapter 11 i want to read something to you so that you can see this leviticus chapter 11 Leviticus chapter 11, verse 9. Many of you have read this and probably skipped over it, or many of you have read it and probably fell asleep. Like many people that read Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you kind of skip over that and go right into some of the more juicier biblical stories and events. But actually, Leviticus chapter 11 dedicates a whole chapter to unclean animals. Now, if you read it in its historical context, it's actually talking about unclean animals. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed, and the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, which means in its proper context, it's talking about unclean animals. But in the spiritual context, it is actually letting us know that these unclean animals are also a representation of different ranks and different categories of demonic spirits. This is why when you read in the book of Mark, when Legion came out of the man, he went right into the swine, a herd of swine. Why? Because swine is also categorized in Leviticus chapter 11 as an unclean land animal. Now, Leviticus 11 is broken down to three categories. You got uh, unclean animals of the air, unclean animals of the land, and then you got unclean animals that dwell in the waters. Now, I don't want to talk about air and I don't want to talk about uh, land because man can discover those animals by pure virtue of investigation or, you know, searching it out. But there's still one realm that you and I have not even cracked one thirds of that even up to this all of these years. And that is what happens under the waters. Now watch this. Let me read let me let me read this to you. So that way I want you to be able to see this. So that way you can see the category of this. Look at this. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 9 says, "Of all marine animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat anything from the water if it has both fins and scales." whether they're from the salt water or from the streams. But look at verse 10. But you must never eat animals from the sea or from the rivers that do not have both fins and scales. They are detestable for you. Now stop right there. Notice how the text here doesn't say they're unhygienic for you. It says they are detestable for you. Detestable is a moral term. Let me say that again. Detestable is a moral 
term, not a hygienic term. So, you know, so most people that they get religious and read this and think, okay, God is saying don't eat shrimp and God is saying don't eat lobster. All right, now, yes, those animals might particularly be scavenger animals and they, they can be potentially unhygienic, but God would not tell you that they are detestable for you if detestable is a moral term. Moral term means it's an issue of conscience, which means there's spirituality going on here. And look what it says here. It says, they are detestable to you. This applies both to little creatures that live in the shallow water and to all creatures that live in the deep water. All right. Or rather that live in the abyss. Look at this. They will always be detestable for you. You will, you must never eat their meat and you must never even touch their dead bodies. Wait a second. How is touching? Look at, look, look at the same. This is how I know that this is not about hygiene and about how unhealthy these animals are. Because what does it have to, what is unhealthy about touching a dead animal? Do you see how this has nothing to do with physical but this has everything to do with spiritual why because there are certain there are certain things that from from the demonic realm that god don't even want you touching or eating it spiritually did you catch what i just said so this right here is a typology concerning us looking at things from a different perspective now the reason why i am sharing this with you and i hope i'm not losing many of you but rather you're seeing it from a revelatory perspective is this that this here is not talking about unhealthy animals in its proper context it is but let me ask you this question why would god tell them uh when he gave them these laws not to eat animals from the deep when they are a nomadic people in the desert do you see what I'm saying? The children of Israel are a nomadic people. They are a people of shepherding. There's no sea in the desert. So why would God tell them to abstain from sea creatures when they are walking in the wilderness of Zin for 40 years and there's no sea? That's because this right here is talking about spiritual things, spiritual things. All right, so watch this. Now, the reason why I, I, had, I put the foundation of this simply is this. Let me ask you this question. How many deep sea creatures are there in the deep as of today? There are an innumerable amount. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Wait a second. Look at this. We haven't even scratched the surface of how we are still discovering. Wait a second. We are still listen listen listen. Deep uh uh deep seamen are still every year discovering particular deep uh sea creatures or they are discovering this kind of creature. What did Jesus say? This this kind of demon now why did he say this because they couldn't cast it out why couldn't they cast it out because they had never seen that demon before okay now now why am i saying this is church we need an upgrade listen listen watch this if the children of israel went to the jordan river obviously there's fish in there there's creatures in there. If they went to the Sea of Galilee, obviously there's fish in there, but there's creatures in there. There's creatures in there, but the Sea of Galilee is an enclosed sea. 
The river Jordan is, is, a, is a stream from the Sea of Galilee. Now, what, what am I saying by this is that after a while, if you investigate long enough, you're going to encounter the same fish both in the Jordan and in the Sea of Galilee. So that's what we're doing today. We are fishing in the same pond of the Jezebel, Ahab, witchcraft, Absalom, Leviathan. Baby, I'm here to tell you that those spirits, that's level one. We haven't even scratched the surface. We haven't even gone deep enough. God says if you go deeper enough, the church will begin to uncover New demonic spirits. Let me give you one that was just discovered last year. It's called a demon called COVID-19. Well, that didn't exist two, three years ago. That's a new demon. Now watch this. The reason why I am saying this is, baby, the ocean, the abyss is vast. We have not scratched the surface. And the church is still playing Willy Wonka, Chuck E. Cheese with and Absalom spirit and witchcraft and rejection. I'm here to tell you, go deeper, go deeper. Because listen to me, listen to me. What you are dealing with in your family bloodline might not be a Jezebel, might not be a Leviathan. It might be a whole new breed of demon that we haven't even explored yet because the church has not gotten deep enough. And that's why we are here today. Why? Because the marine kingdom, not marine spirits, but the marine kingdom is vast. It is so vast. This is why I have a problem with people saying, man, you're demonizing everything. We're not demonizing everything, but there's a lot of demons out there that we have not yet to be discovered. So what's this on earth as it is in heaven. So the same way that humans are discovering deep sea creatures as they get technology to go deeper and to go deeper. And to go deeper, the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 2, those that had not known the depths of Satan, it actually uses D-E-P-T-H. It's the same word, the abyss of Satan, or rather the bottomless pit of evil. Evil is a science. Evil is an ocean. This is why in the end time, in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that the beast comes out of the sea. Did you catch that revelation? Listen, the Bible actually says the beast and the Antichrist comes actually out of the sea, which means that there is a whole vast kingdom down there that you and I have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us jump into deep waters for God to begin uh, to reveal it. I'm going to throw it back at you to jump in and then we'll continue. And then I have some more revelation. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, this stuff is straight fire. I'm like, just keep going for it. This is just, I'm, I'm right here taking notes and learning as he's teaching, because I'm telling you guys, God is exposing some of these things. You know, one of the things I'll just give you a, a second break here that I wanted to touch on, which is actually part of the Marine kingdom. I know we talked about Leviathan, that sea serpent, but is, and this is a very practical thing for many of you watching tonight is the spirit of Python. This is something Alexander, I I feel like has really attached and really connected to the church to the believer to many of you watching and i'll keep it very very simple and I'll, i'm, I'm going to pass it back here but very simply this spirit that has attacked many people watching is trying to cut off your prayer life friend you have to understand that many of these demonic powers these demonic spirits goal their end goal is to get the church to stop praying now many of you might ask is the devil effective right now in the church absolutely look at the state of the american church there's a lack of prayer there's a lack of constant 
consecration, there's a lack of holiness because the the, de the devil wants to shut down your prayer life. More than anything else, the devil's trying to stop you from praying. I know people are saying, well, we can't gather in the church. And my thought is, we weren't even praying when we were gathering. The devil's not threatened by our gathering. The devil is threatened by a church and a people that prays. Many times in deliverance, uh, 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 Alexander, we see people slithering like a snake. How many of you guys have seen this? I was praying for somebody this last week and they're slithering like a snake. And we see this snake manifestation all the time. And this is a connection to the marine kingdom, to the spirit of Python, to the spirit of Leviathan. But oftentimes this Python spirit will wrap around the believer and choke the prayer life out of you. Prayer has to be, and we've been saying this for the last few months, the life source of the believer. It's the oxygen to our spirit. Listen to me loud and clear tonight. If you don't have a prayer life you will not survive the days ahead let me say that again if you don't have a prayer life and i'm not talking about praying for your food i'm not talking about praying at night before you go to bed i'm saying that if you don't have a consistent prayer life in the days that are coming okay we'll go into that another another podcast but the days that are ahead of us the spiritual battle that we're going into the storm that we're going into you are not going to survive now the enemy knows the power of prayer why is it that he's working overtime that his kingdom is working overtime to shut the mouth of the believer to stop you from praying some of you know because you're dealing with the python spirit which makes you fall asleep during prayer some of you every time you go into prayer you start falling asleep that's a result of a snake or of a python spirit some of you get easily distracted in prayer every time you pray how many of you know every time you pray you're looking at your phone you're looking at your calls you're looking at your friend you're looking at this you're thinking about what you're going to eat that's the spirit of python working to distract you some of you have lost your appetite for prayer you have zero desire to communicate with god how is it that we are believers but we've lost our desire to pray we've lost our desire to call into god that's the spirit of python at work again choking out the life of the people of god now paul encounters i'm going to go quick here Paul encountered this spirit on his way to prayer. The devil loves to distract us on our way to prayer. Acts 16, 16 says, and it happened as they were going to prayer. So notice where the demon attacks Paul. A slave girl having a spirit of Python, which your other Bible is going to say divination, the new translations, met us, who bringing her master much profit by fortune telling, following Paul around, kept crying out saying, these are men of the most high God who are proclaiming you the way of salvation. She continued doing this. The Bible says for many days, days and so many of you have dealt with this spirit for many days and have not gotten deliverance some of you are around believers around pastors for years and still don't get deliverance Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit Paul's not talking to the girl Paul's talking to the spirit I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and the Bible says it came out within the hour but notice this the Greek word for divination which we taught a lot about divination that's getting information from demons from spirits that's fortune-telling psychics astrology these all use the means of divination which is a counterfeit of the word of knowledge but this word is python this is a spirit in greek mythology was a serpent or dragon that guarded the oracle delphi and was slain by apollo but that's greek mythology but notice this it's not just a greek myth because the spirit was in this girl coming against paul and friend i want to tell you that this spirit even tonight is coming against the body of christ now i don't have an open door this spirit attacked paul when there was no open door this spirit wants to shut you down paul was a man of the word a man of holiness a man of prayer and this spirit was against paul 
This spirit has shut down countless churches. This spirit has shut down prayer meetings. A lot of people, you go to a church where you say, we don't even have a prayer meeting, and this is an epidemic right now in the body of Christ, that many believers and many churches do not have a prayer meeting. And friend, I'm telling you, if you don't pray, if you don't have a prayer life, you will not survive. Every time you try to take a breath, that python squeezes that prayer life out of you. And it's a slow process. The way a python kills its victim is a slow process. It's not something that happens quick but it's a slow process it's not just one day you stop praying but after a certain amount of time that that spirit chokes out your prayer life slowly but surely you lose your desire to pray you lose your fire to pray and imagine how many of these spirits have killed people in the chat how many of you have fallen subject to the spirit of python and i just want to say and i'm gonna pass it back here we need a prayer revival in our lives we need to break all these marine spirits all these demonic powers i believe tonight is your night to get delivered because these things have been lying to the body of christ let me give you one more interesting thing about the spirit of python what's crazy is the serpent or the spirit of python attacked paul while going to prayer and the bible says paul and silas ended up naked and being beat with rods because they delivered this girl so they deliver the girl her masters lose their profit from fortune telling and now paul and silas are naked they're distracted now they're not able to go to prayer and they're beat down now let's look at what did the spirit of python or the snake do in the garden it separated adam and eve from relationship with god so it removed adam and eve's prayer life just like it did in the book of acts and it left adam and eve naked like it did in the book of acts what's your point isaiah my point is what was happening in genesis was still happening all the way in the book of acts and it's still happening today as we preach, as we prophesy. You might be listening saying, well, these spirits are from the Old Testament or the things you guys are sharing about are from the Old Testament. But don't you see here that these spirits from the Old Testament, these demons are actually relevant in the New Testament. I'm going to pass it back. You could just take over here, Alexander. I'm telling you, I know we're 40 minutes in here, guys, but I'm telling you, we don't have a time limit. But I'm just saying, guys, God is doing something. God is connecting something. And I don't believe it's by chance. There's 3,400 of you in here and a lot of you including me are learning a lot of this for the first time god is taking us again i have his advanced school in the comments so you're already getting a taste tonight of the stuff that he's bringing and i'm telling you guys no one's bringing it like this no one's teaching it like this god is doing something right now in the body of christ so go ahead take it away here i'm gonna pass it back to you i remember one time i was conducting deliverance um and the person and this is no exaggeration uh, the person, one minute I'm conducting deliverance, me and my wife were conducting deliverance on one of the uh, members of our church. And I, I I blinked and I put my head down for a split second. And when I put my, when I lifted my head back up, I was looking at, and I'm not exaggerating, I was looking at a silverback gorilla. And I don't mean a silverback gorilla, like in its, in its entirety. What I mean was the person's face and body features had contorted to such a degree that literally I was looking at King Kong. I'm not exaggerating. And the, the nostrils were flaring so much. Literally, they were like this. <sighs> literally. And I look at it and immediately the Holy Spirit said, that's a spirit of rage. Confront the spirit of rage. And that's when, and that's when I began my journey to connect animalistic behavior with demonic spirits. At that time, I was just casting out spirits and I had no time to like literally get into the logistics of that. But when God began to tell me, uh, stop being so quick to just cast it out. Uh, let me teach you how to do asymmetric warfare here. Slow down a little bit. Work with the person. Help the person get set free. Don't just be storefront Pentecostal, you know what I'm saying? And do a lot of yelling because, you know, you, you know, take your time 
Lisa, let me just show you how to do uh, real good warfare. Split second, I put my head down, look back up. I was literally looking at um, a silverback gorilla right in front of me. Um, the power of God hit this person. They got delivered. But that began the journey of me connecting um, the reason why uh, God put in the scripture various uh, an animals to help us understand demonic uh, demonic behavior. This is why he would consistently talk about when someone um, has a gossiping spirit, they're called a viper. Their words are like a viper uh, uh, whose words cause venom inside of me. So God is saying, pay attention to the animal kingdom and you'll begin to correlate that with demonic entities. I remember another time I was I was conducting deliverance on uh, this, uh, this mother um, and again, I took my eyes off of her for a split second and put it on my wife and when i look back this person was literally doing um um like a stripper like a stripper in a strip club was literally doing was, was not stripping her clothes in front of me but reenacting like as she was on a strip pole right in front of me it was so bad that i actually had to turn my eyes away because spirit of god said the spirit of seduction is trying to distract you right now uh and doesn't want to come out and i had to literally me and my wife my wife had to jump in and we had to get her uh delivered it was literally a snake going up a pole and i began to understand how how moses put a snake up a pole a Paul, and I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. Um, so we find animalistic or particular animals in scripture in the Bible to help us understand demonic uh behavior. With that being said, let me read something to you to help you understand this pantheon of gods without us glorifying the devil here. But look at this. Let me let me let me help you uh see this in scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 32. I want you to see something because you're probably saying, Well, where can we find that in scripture? All this stuff about spirit this and spirit that and spirit that let's just stick, let's stick to scripture here. I'm glad that you're I'm glad that you're being a good Berean. <laughs> I'm gonna show this to you. Look at this. Look what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 16. It says, they stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. Okay, look at this. Look at this. They offered sacrifice to demons, which are not God. To gods, look at this part. Look at this part right here. To gods they have not known before. To new gods. Wait a second here. Wait a second here. Look what it says. To new gods only recently arrived. What is the text here actually saying? Is that there is an arrival of new gods. Man, I'm talking good. Guys, you got to listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are demons that the devil or the kingdom of darkness is waiting until the world has the right conditions. Let me say it again. When, when, when the world gets to a certain place and the spiritual condition is ready, he'll send a new, he'll send a new God or a new demon and a demon will pop up out of nowhere and the people will go chasing after this particular God. As a matter of fact, I could even prove this even a step further. There's a demon coming in the book of Revelation called Wormwood. It hasn't come yet, but eventually wormwood will come to the earth, will strike the earth. And the Bible says when wormwood comes, it will be a star. I saw a star from heaven fall down to the earth. Now, if you want to say it's a meteorite, amen, you could do that. But actually the Bible calls the stars of heaven angels. It calls them angels. So when it says a star from heaven fell down to the earth and the star's name was Wormwood and it made the waters bitter, it means that the world was now finally ready 
for this particular demon and the kingdom of darkness released it and heaven allowed it. And the Bible says that this demon killed off a third of the earth. Now, so, 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 so watch this. These new gods that the Bible here is talking about is talking about, write this in the room, the sons of God, the rebellious sons of God. Now, we, I said everything leading to this point so that we could get into the other demons. These new gods are the fallen Elohims. You keep thinking Elohim only means God. No, the word Elohim in scripture means it's plural. It means gods. It means divine beings. God is supreme. Elohim. He is God, the supreme Elohim. And all of his creation, when he created the sons of God, the angels, they are also called the Benai Elohim. The Benai Elohim, which means the, they are from the Elohim. So they are Elohims. Now watch this. When you become born again, the Bible calls you Children of God, you are also an Elohim. You're not the Elohim. You're not capital E Elohim. That is God the Father. But you and I are Elohims. That is why Jesus said, behold, I say you are gods. He was talking to the people, which means you proceeded and come forth from God. You are a son of God. Now, before God created Adam, who was a son of God, there was an elder race. Write it in the chat room. There are, is an elder race, which means there were sons of God. Now watch this. Now watch this. Look at this. I'm going to show this to you. Is it, if, this, if this is good, say something in the chat room. <laughs> Listen, watch this. Look at this. I want to show it to you. Let's go to the book of Job. Turn with me to the book of Job. I want to show you something. The book of Job. Watch this. The book of Job. Look at this. All right. Look at this. Watch this. The book of Job. All right. In the book of Job. Watch this. Look at this. Job chapter 38, verse 7. Watch this. Job 38, verse 7. Watch this. I'm going to show you something, and then it's going to get into the sons of God. Look at this. Job uh, 38, verse 7. Look at this. Look at this. As a matter of fact, let's go to verse 4 in context. Where were you, this is God talking, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Verse 6. What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone? Look at verse 7. Look at this. Look at this. In the King James Version, look what it says. Look what it says. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, this is not talking about the sons of God, you and I. It's talking about, watch this, two categories of angels. The morning stars which is Lucifer. Lucifer is a morning star. There's a category, Lucifer and his angels. That's, did you catch that? And then it says, where the sons of God also shouted for joy. So at the beginning of creation, there was also the morning star shouting for joy, rejoicing. And 
and the sons of God. So the sons of God are a particular other category of angels. They all fall under angels. The highest category is morning star. The head of the morning stars was Lucifer. Oh, son of the morning, morning stars. All right. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, O morning star. The devil and his angels, the morning stars. But wait a second. There's another category. The sons of Elohim. Notice how morning stars are separate. Then there's the sons of God, the benign Elohim. Now, here's what happened. We know the story of when the devil fell with his angels. But the Bible actually is letting us know, and you could go read this, and this is going to be very controversial, but if I don't lay this foundation, then other demons makes no sense. There was another angelic rebellion found in Genesis chapter 6. Turn with me there. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Look at this. Genesis chapter 6. Look at this. We're talking about new gods. We're talking about new gods that just arrived. Look at this. Genesis chapter 6. Look what it says. In Genesis, look what it says. In Genesis chapter 6, it says in verse, look at this, in verse Look what it says in verse, watch this, verse 4. In those days, look at this. Matter of fact, let me read it in the King James Version for you because I have it in the New Living Translation. And if this is good, say something in the chat room. All right? Look at this, 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 look at this. Okay, look at this. Okay, look what it says. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, it says, um... There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, look what it says. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bear children unto them. The same became the Nephilim, mighty men, men of renown, uh, the heroes of old. So what happened was this, very simple. The Benai Elohim in the Bible are called the watchers. You can read this in D Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, the sons of God were called the watchers. What were their assignment? They were, at, watch this, after God created the heavens and the earth, where the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Why? Because the sons of God were given an assignment. Their assignment was to watch over the affairs of men to make sure that the human population would go according to God's plan. In between that time frame, Lucifer fell, we get the abysmal, the abyss, and them being locked in somewhere else, right? But the, the watchers began to fall in love with the daughters of men. And the Bible says uh, that they came down and slept with the daughters of men. Now, now I know what many of you are going to tell me. You're going to say, but that's impossible because angels, angels neither marry or are given in marriage. Read the text. It says in heaven, they neither marry or are given in marriage. So what did the angels do? They left their first estate. They left heaven. They left heaven. Why? Because in heaven, there is neither marriage nor are given in marriage. Did you catch that? The Bible says they came down. They came down, right? They slept with the daughters of men, Right and produce a race of giants called the Nephilim, which are a hybrid race whose fathers are the fallen 
rebellious sons of God, the watchers that fell, watch this, the watchers that fell, sleeping with the daughters of men, right? And this is the reason why God, watch this, God decided, look at what it says, God decided in the very same chapter that he was tired of the wickedness of man. But if you keep reading the text, it says he was not only, watch this, he was not only mad with man, the text says he was also mad with animals. He was mad with the animals. And we know he was mad with the animals. Why? Because the serpent deceived the serpent. Wait, did you catch what I just said? Wait a second. Who deceived Eve? The Bible says the serpent, the physical serpent, gave its body to the serpent. And they deceived Eve. This is why, watch this, when God cursed the serpent, why would God curse something that's already cursed if the devil was already cursed? Do you see what I'm saying here? Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Why would God curse a serpent if the serpent was already cursed? I'm talking about the spiritual serpent. This is why the serpent had two judgments, two judgments in the text. The physical serpent got cursed and then the spiritual serpent got banished. All right, now watch this. When God destroyed the earth with the flood, the spirits of the Nephilim, because they are unregistered, and this is all Bible, what I'm telling you, because they are unregistered with the courtroom of heaven, they have been banished to wander the earth, watch this, to wander the earth until the end time judgment. And this is why you and I are battling with disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, but this is debatable. You could debate me on that and I'll allow it because this is progressive revelation, but this is where we get the pantheon of new gods. Why? Because when God judged the sons of God, and this is how you know that this is what I'm saying is biblically true, because when God judged the watchers for what they did, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, he locked them in Tartarus. But wait a second. The Bible says, 2 Peter says, and the angels that sinned, he says he has banished them in change, chains until the end time. Wait a second. So then who is doing all the functioning on the earth if these demons or these sons of God are locked, are locked in chains? Well, very simple. The disembodied spirits of the Nephilim are the ones doing the work and the fallen angels, the devil and his angels are all working. Now watch this. All of these demons or angels, they're all under Lucifer. They're all under Lucifer. But there are many different categories. Now watch this. I'm going to prove this to you one more verse, and then we'll name some demons that you never heard before. And then, But you could jump in while I, while, while, while I go look for this verse. Okay, so Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Watch this. Deuteronomy. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Watch this. The very... The very same book, Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Deuteronomy, uh, verse 2. Look what it says. Let me read it to you. Look what it says. Look at this. It says, when the Most High, watch this. When the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Now, stop right there. There's something wrong in the text already. Why? Because it's using the word Israel. 
Now, the story that he's referring to here, when God divided the nations, who could say, who could tell me in the chat room, what exactly is Moses referring to? He's referring to the Tower of Babel. He's referring to the Tower of Babel. Now, watch this. Watch this. Why would God separate the nations according to the sons of Israel when the sons of Israel did not even exist yet? Very simple, because the real translation of the text in the Septuagint, in the Hebrew, says it like this. Look at this. Look at this. Let me read it to you. It says, it says, when the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, which means when he separated the nations, Genesis chapter 11, it says, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of God. Okay, that word sons of God means the fallen angels. He gave the nations to the fallen angels who were overseeing these nations. This is why Daniel, when he fasted and he prayed, he was asking for an answer. Gabriel was sent. But what did Gabriel tell him? He said, from the first day that you prayed, Daniel, he said, the first day that you prayed, I was sent. But the son of God, the fallen prince, of the Medo-Persian was holding me back for 21 days. And he said, and he said, now I must leave you because there's another fallen son of God that's coming. It, the fallen prince of Greece is coming and I have to go help Michael. So what? These fallen sons of God are over, are over, are over the nation. So this is why we find that every nation on the face of the earth has a prince, a son of God for them. Israel has a prince over it. We know his name, Michael. Michael is the prince, a divine Elohim. He is a son of God, an angel. He is overseeing Israel, every nation has an angel. And here's, here's the issue. These fallen, some nations are given over to demonic entities. We know this, right? These fallen entities have demons under them. And here is where the category opens. And you and I need to expand our thinking. So that way we could go beyond Jezebel. Who else is working for the devil? What other demons are working? Now watch this. Now watch this. Look at this. Watch this. You might be asking, well, how does this work? How does this work? What does this got to do with other demons? Very simple. Because many people that are saying was nobody's worshiping demons. Like nobody's going to go out, out, right? Like for those of you, watch this. For those of you that use sage, and I'm going to go there with you. You can't remove demon with demons. All right. Okay. Sage is a, is a, a, a demonic form. It's an ancient form of witchcraft to remove spirits through uh, through the aroma, to remove the... So the person with sage will go to every room and, and hopefully smoke the devil out. All right. But you can't fight the devil with the devil. All right. Now watch this. Now watch this. The person that uses sage, if you were to ask them, they will tell you, man, I'm not worshiping no... I'm not worshiping no devil, no demon. And here is where Christians mess up. Because these new pantheon of gods is not coming in the form of demon worship. They are coming in the form of veneration, honor. 
or venerated worship. What do I mean by this? Let me give you an example. If you ask a Catholic, do you worship Mary? They will flatly tell you, I do not worship Mary. I worship the Son of God. But what do they do? They venerate Mary. What does the word venerate mean? It means to hold in high regard and to revere profoundly. So what does this do? People don't, people are not worshiping demons, but they're venerating the devices that the demons have left behind and the veneration of, or the extreme honor. Let me give you an example. When you read your horoscope, let me say it again. When you read your horoscope, you're not, you're not worshiping the 12 constellations, but you're venerating it. You know how I know you're venerating it? Because you read it daily. You're holding it with high regard. And that's where the demons come in. They don't come in with flat out demon worship, right? But they come in through venerated honor, which means when you hold in high regard uh, 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 a statue of a saint, you're not bowing down to the saint, but you're venerating it. And the veneration is where the demon comes in. Now watch this. And the veneration of the demon brings the new God or other demons. And that's where most Christians mess up because they'll hear a Christian say, you know, sage is wrong. And they'll say, man, yeah, people are, yeah, Christians need to stop acting up. I ain't, I ain't worshiping no devil. No, but you're venerating. You're venerating the sage. And the, the venerating of the sage is where the demon comes in. So it's a, it is still demon worship. You're not worshiping the demon itself, but you're worshiping the function of the demon. Did you catch what I just said? So you're, nobody's worshiping Mary, but you're worshiping, you're worshiping the mediator to the mediator because she's the mediator to the mediator. So we'll, we'll honor Mary in hopes that Mary will put in a good word to her son, Jesus. And that's where the demon, uh, that's where the demon is, is coming in. Am I making, am I making sense? Do you want a Bible verse? Watch this. I'm going to prove this to you. What? I'm going to prove this to you. And then I'm going to pass it to you. I'm going to pass it to Isaiah. Watch this. Turn with me to second Kings, second Kings. Watch this. For those of you that are watch, for those of you, watch this. Have you ever heard somebody say you can make an idol out of anything? Well, how do you do that? By venerating something. When you venerate something, which means you hold it with high regard. Uh, 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 look, look at this. Let me give you an example. When you do this, and don't get mad if you do this, because sometimes we, we all did this. But when you go, God, I need you to speak to me. And then you do this. God, speak to me. God, I need you to speak to me. Okay. And then you just open, and then wherever it falls, that's how God is speaking to, speaking to you. That's not how God speaks to you. That is, watch this, that is you venerating an incantation of how you think God speaks to you. That's no different than putting your Bible under your pillow, thinking that putting a Bible under your pillow is going to give you good dreams. You're venerating. Listen, we don't venerate a of black letters on a white page. We we worship the God of the pages, not the pages of the Bible. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, watch this. I'm going to show you this to show you how this works. And therefore, we'll get into, look at this. Man, this is some good stuff. You need to share this. Look at this. <laughs> I know that I'm rushing, but hey, man, I'm just trying to pack in so much. Look at this. Second, Second Kings chapter 18. 
Watch this. Second Kings chapter 18. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how we do this. Look at this. Look at this. Second Kings chapter 18 talks about a man named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king of Israel. He was a good king. Look at this. Look at this. Second Kings chapter 18. Verse, verse, look at this. Verse three. He did, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines. Listen, listen closely. Watch this. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles. Watch this. He broke up. Look at this. Look at this. Look what it says. He also broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look at this. Look at this. He also broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. Wait a second. Wait a second. He destroyed the bronze serpent that Moses made because a thousand years later, the children of Israel was worshiping it. They were venerating it. Look at this. Look at this. Was the bronze serpent a bad thing? No, it was not. Why? Because if you read Numbers chapter 21, all who got bitten by a snake, venomous, all they had to do was go to the temple, find the bronze serpent that Moses had made, and whoever looked at it was healed from their diseases. But guess what? In the beginning, they worshiped the God of healing, but a thousand years later, they worshiped the healing that comes from God. Let me say it again. This is what happens when you and I worship more manifestation than the God of manifestation. We begin to worship. Let me give you an example. Deliverance is not vomiting. Let me say that again. Sometimes people worship, they venerate the vomiting, which means unless I vomit, I didn't get delivered. Now watch this. When you get delivered and when there's a demon, there will be vomiting. But you don't enter into deliverance looking for the vomiting because then it's no different than worshiping and venerating the vomiting. And that's why many people don't get delivered because the deliverance is not, well, I didn't manifest. Well, I didn't, my eyes didn't roll back. I didn't slither on the floor like a snake. No, 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 no. We're not worshiping the, we're not worshiping the, we're not venerating the function. We're honoring the function but afterwards, sometimes we might need to do what Hezekiah did in destroying. Now watch this. Let me, let me finish reading the text. Look at this. Look at this. Look at look what the verse says. The bronze serpent was called Nahushtan. Whoa. I bet you never even heard of a demon called Nahushtan. Nahushtan, write this down makes people worship the function rather than the God who empowers the function. The Bible says that a thousand years later, Moses' serpent was actually given a name. It says here, so when Hezekiah came on the scene, he noticed that the people 
We're worshiping, speaking in tongues. Oh, y'all going to get mad at me today. You're going to get mad. You're going to get mad. You're going to get mad. You're going to get He noticed that the people were, were worshiping a particular way that God does something. Let me tell you something. If God does something today, it doesn't mean that that's the way he's always going to do it as he continues to move forward. But in this text, they began to worship. They began to worship the bronze snake that Moses made. Watch this. And this is why sometimes the deliverance minister has to make sure that as I teach you how to function and how to get healed, that you don't start worshiping the protocols of healing as opposed to putting your eyes on him. Because, because if left alone, it will end up becoming venerated. And a thousand years later, the people were venerating these particular, uh, 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 these particular um, bronze serpent and they began to worship it. And in this text, Hezekiah had to destroy it because the people were now idolizing it. Now, I just gave you Nahushtan. Nahushtan causes, causes people to worship the way God used to do something, and they begin idolizing the way God used to do something, and they're and they can't open themselves up to see the way God is doing something, something now. Now watch this. Turn with me now to a couple of chapters before. Now we're going to get into some stuff. Second, second, second. <laughs> you can jump in any time, Isaiah. You can jump in any time. Go ahead, go ahead. Look at, look at this. Now I'm not looking at the chat room. Because uh, I don't want to get distracted with somebody saying, I don't understand that. I don't understand. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> okay, now look at this. All right, look at this. Okay, look, look what it says here. Now, can you guys still hear me? Is, it, is this good? All right, look at this. Watch this. Look at this. Watch this. Second, second Kings chapter, uh, chapter 17. Look at this. Look at this. Second Kings chapter 17. Jump down. Look at this. Look at this. Jump down. All right. Give me a second here. Yeah, jump down. Okay. All right. Give me a second. Let me find it for you. I know it's in Second Kings. Isaiah, what what uh which 17? What verse, what verses did I give you? Because I'm using a different, a different, a different verse. Okay. Second Kings chapter. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I found it. I found it. Yeah. Here we go. Watch this. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this. Let me give you this. Let me give this to you. Watch this. Jump up to verse. Look at this. To verse 24. I'm just going to read it to you. Matter of fact, read this in your own time. I want to move along. Look at verse 27. The king of Assyria then commanded, send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there. Let them teach the new residents the religious customs of the God of the land. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. Now watch this, how to worship the Lord. But these various groups, look at verse 29, but these various groups of foreigners also continued to worship their own gods. In town after town where they lived, they placed their idols at the pagan shrines that the people of Samaria had built. Look at verse 30. Look at this. Uh, now I'm going to give you some new gods. Watch this. Those from Babylon 
worship idols of their god, Sukkoth Banoth. So there's one. Look at this. Those from Kufa worship their god, Nagal. Those from Hamath worship Ashima. The Avites worship their gods, Nibhaz and Tartak. And the people of Servaim even burn their own children as sacrifices to their gods, Adrimelech and Ahimelech. Look at verse 32. These new words, look at this, watch this, this is going to bless you. These new residents worship the Lord, but they also appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests to offer sacrifices at the places of worship and they and though watch this and though they worship the lord see look at this and though they worship the lord who brought them look at this, and though they worship the lord they continue to follow their own gods according to the religious customs of the nations from which they came and this is still going on today. Wait a second. Look what it says. Look at this. And they continue to follow their former practices instead of worshiping the Lord and obeying his decree. What is this saying here? Very simple. Watch this. No one is not saying you don't love God, for those of you that are watching me. No one is not saying that you're not even born again or even in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're born again, obviously. But the Bible here also says that not only did they worship God, but they also had their heart aligned to other gods. And the Bible begin to name these particular other gods. And I am only going to give you two. And when I come back, we do another part two, and I'll go through the rest of them. But I want to talk to you quickly about one of them called Ashama, and it's in the verse. It says, and they worship those from Hamath, worship Ashama. Now watch this. This one is a big one because I taught this on my Facebook page, and this one's going to rustle some of your feathers because most evangelicals are caught up in, in Ashama. The word Ashama is a Semitic goddess of fate, F-A-T-E. In Mesopotamia, uh, those that lived in Mesopotamia, they worship the god called Ashema. Ashema is the derivative of the word fate, or F-A-T-E. You and I understand it as the word purpose, the goddess of purpose. Now, if that don't already ring bells, then I don't know what is. Because if there is anything that the average evangelical is caught up in more than worshiping Jesus, is finding my purpose. Let me let, let, wait, wait, wait. Let me say this again. Let me let me say this again. There is an extreme idolatrous mindset in God's people about finding my purpose. Now, I'm not saying finding your purpose is wrong, but there is an over-venerated idolatry within the Christian church of, I need to find my purpose. I need to find my tribe. I need to connect with this person. Why? So I can fulfill my purpose. I need to make sure that I marry the right person. Why? So that way I can fulfill my purpose. And we find Christians indirectly worshiping 
Ashima more than they do Jesus. Now, no one is saying you don't worship Jesus, but watch this. Finding their purpose is holding such veneration that it is literally synonymous with being born again. Because if you ask the average millennial, what is the gospel? You know what they would say? That the gospel means that there's a hole in your heart that only God can fill and that you're desperately trying to look for God and you're filling it with all this other stuff. That is not the gospel. The Bible says you are a sinner and that you're on your way to hell and that you are in desperate need of salvation the born again message is not get saved to find your purpose is get saved listen to me it's get saved so that jesus can wash away your sins that he could write your name in the lamb's book of life and that you allow god to fulfill his assignment through you your assignment after you get born again is to become and be conformed to the image of jesus not find my purpose. Now watch this. When you are conformed to the image of Jesus, purpose will find you. Purpose will be synonymous with finding and trying to be like Christ. And this is why I uh, God began to show me that the, the preoccupation with the Christian church right now is they love me, but indirectly they have no idea that they are in league with Ashima. Now, what does Ashima mean? And the text here uses the word Ashima. Basically, it means this. The word Ashima is also a derivative. If you look the word up, it means guilt. Fate and guilt. So it means this. Let me put it in layman's term. Making people feel guilty about not fulfilling their fate. Or making people feel guilty about not fulfilling their purpose. So we find a lot of Christians, they are so preoccupied with finding their purpose that they are no longer preoccupied trying to be like Jesus. They're no longer trying to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Did you catch what I just said? They no longer want to uh, surrender their heart to him and allow God and allow the Holy Spirit to work through them and to be Jesus's hands and his eyes and his ears. Why? Because they don't know any better. So I'm here to tell you that worshiping of purpose is not, nobody's worshiping their purpose, but they are venerating it. And venerating your purpose is nothing more than modern day worship of Ashima. That is, let me ask you this question. How many of you right now are feeling miserable? You want to know why you're feeling miserable? Because if I was to ask you, you will tell me this, because I'm not fulfilling my purpose. This is where the Christian church is. Why? Because they have no idea. So what is the worship of Ashima? The demon of Ashima comes down to get people's eyes away from the centrality of the cross and Christ and putting it on to their assignment, putting it on to their purpose. And that ends up becoming a doctrine of demons. Because if you ask the average pastor that's in these Chuck E. Cheese, Willy Wonka babysitting churches, if you ask them what their teaching series on, they're not telling you to be like Jesus. They're telling you how to find your purpose. Did you catch what I just said? Now, for the rest of you, I'm not saying that finding your purpose and asking God, what is your purpose is wrong? No, 
but a, a preoccupation and a venerating of it will end up you becoming purpose idolatry. You end up idolizing the God, the goddess of fate without even realizing it. And guess what? There was a whole city dedicated to that. Let me give you one more and I'll end it here for today. And then we'll help you get delivered. There was another demon called Nergal in the text. The word Nergal is the Hebrew word hero. The Hebrew word a hero. Now, now, the derivative of that is, look at this, is someone always looking to be the first in everything and the savior of everything, which means the one that comes to fix it, the one who has the answer that their revelation is better than everyone else, that they have the new revelation that's going to bring change in the body of Christ. Let me say this here. I'm not the guy to bring change in the revelation of deliverance. I'm a forerunner to deliverance. My job is to inspire you. I'm not the guy to bring change globally. Why? No, because the only one that's the true deliverer is Christ Jesus, the Lord, and he is the deliverer. But there is, watch this. There is in the body of Christ this hero worship where people are venerating their spiritual fathers and their spiritual mothers and their bishops and their pastors and their pastors become the hero in the in their worldview as opposed to Christ that's what nagal means nagal is is making someone putting someone at the same place if you was to ask someone they'll tell you I'm not worshiping my spiritual parent I'm not worshiping my pastor but some people them so high that they can't go on vacation unless they get a blessing from their pastor. They can't move, make a move without getting a, 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 a permission from their pastor or whatever the case may be. Nergal is a demon that causes people to want to be first. And if you're watching me and you want to be first and someone's hero in someone else's life and you're causing people to look at you as opposed to directing them to Christ, there's a demon called Nergal that's there. And God is saying you need to be mindful of that wanting to be the hero in the situation, wanting to be the first in the situation, or wanting to be the one where everybody goes to in the situation as opposed to reflecting, or deflecting away from you and pointing them Unto Christ. And watch this. And you're going to get mad. And I know you're going to get mad at this one. Listen, 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 listen. You're going to get mad. You're going to get mad. And you don't have to agree. But we just saw this in 2020. We just made a hero out of someone who didn't get elected. You missed what I just said. That's where that's coming from. Yeah, see, I told you. You hear, you can hear a pin drop with that one. We made a man a hero. And God said, what? And knocked him down from that. Did you catch what I just said? Listen, and that's, watch this. You're going to get mad. And everybody was prophesying. And then everybody messed up. And then everybody got it wrong. Why? Because they genuinely thought that this person was the person. This person was the person. And then there was a strong delusion that came. And then what was a good thing, because it what he wasn't a bad thing. Let's just establish that he wasn't a bad thing, all right? Because I was on the same train saying the same thing, all right? In case you think I'm on the other side, all right? But watch this. But what happened was a delusion came as it happens with everybody. We end up making someone a hero. 
Would you like me to connect the dots to drop the own, to drop my own mic? The Bible says the Nephilim were the heroes of old. There it is again. It says these were men of renown, heroes of old. So watch this. How does this apply today? I'm done. Very simple. Go, Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, who was alive during the time of Noah? The Nephilim were walking on the earth. The sons of God, now keep in mind, the sons of God were also walking on the earth until the flood came and God locked them in change. Uh, chains of darkness in Tartarus to be released in Revelation chapter 11 when they, the angel opens the bottomless pit and you see locusts coming out with the hair of a woman. Why is it say hair of a woman? Because these were the sons of God who fell in love with women. Catch the metaphor there. That's what the Bible says. And what you and I are seeing is the resurgence of other demons that are manifesting. Other demons that are manifesting. Can you be honest? Last year, I had never seen division. I've been saved since 1992. I have never seen the body of Christ disfractured and divided ever in my life. You want to know why? Because a whole new demon rose up. And maybe I'll say it, but I'm not, because I think I got you mad enough with that one. And God is saying he wants to deliver you from the other demons. I'm passing it back to you, Come on. Isaiah. I'm telling you guys, some of you are like, where are you, Isaiah? Guys, I'm falling out. You tell me, where else are you going to get this type of preaching and this type of teaching? Next level, guys. God is doing something right now. I'm literally... Now, listen, this is the first time, Alexander, this has ever happened in two years, two, whatever how many years you guys have been watching me. I'm speechless because I'm telling you, God is doing something right now. We're an hour and a half in. Alexander, thank you so much for pouring out. And listen, you guys are like, where are you? You don't interrupt somebody when they're preaching like that. I know when I get started to preach, when I'm preaching, you know, I was recently on several interviews and they just let me go for it. And I said, man, so much better when someone will just let me go for it while I'm preaching and so thank you and we are going to do a part two you already heard it he's already committed to a part two um I'm telling you guys this is something you're gonna have to watch over and over I think this is the best podcast we've ever had since we started last year God is doing something right now God is speaking to the body of Christ and don't all try to get all up in here and say Where's this or that in the Bible? He gave you guys more verses than you've had in the last five years of your church. So don't get up here. Your pastor gives you two verses per Sunday. And you guys just got over like 50 verses during this. God is doing something. All of you that have stayed, I know many of you in the chat are feeling deliverance. You're feeling manifestations. You're feeling God moving in deliverance in your life. I would love just to end it. Um, Apostle Alexander Pagani, if you would just pray a prayer, mass deliverance over everybody watching, and then we'll shut it down here. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the training that they can purchase the advanced school of deliverance because i want to make sure that we get on that that you guys get on that in the comments in the chat he pulled no punches tonight he didn't hold back tonight i want to just pray a quick prayer of mass deliverance over you guys and then we're going to get into here we'll get some some outro here share where you guys can follow him talk a little bit about the advanced school of deliverance which is in the comments in the description but let's just do this guys really quickly here we're going to pray some mass deliverance over you guys for those of you that are watching um I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I know mm. that I gave you a lot. 
But this is my job. This is what apostles do. Apostles come and they challenge you and they take you to the next level. And you want to know why? Because I genuinely believe that you are ready and that you're able enough to handle it. Especially those of you that are new to the faith and you're probably saying, man, I just got here and he's laying it on me. Let me tell you something. Isaiah can testify to this. It took us years of detoxing a lot of this religiosity and this uh, misinformation of evangelicalism. And there's nothing wrong with it, but a lot of it is baby Christian stuff. You guys, if you got saved with this, with this ministry, you guys are in a good place because you got what took me 20 years to get. You're getting it early in Christianity. So this means 20 years from now, you're going to be a powerhouse for God. You're going to be bigger and better than the way we are now. You look up to us, but in 20 years from now, we're going to be elders looking up to you because you're going to be so on fire, so revelatory. And this is why I'm here, but it requires you to pray this prayer. You need to ask God to begin to show you the other demons that you are unaware of that are there. So that way he could expand your thinking. Repeat this prayer after me and say, Heavenly Father, I realize that I am in need of the Holy Spirit showing me these other demons that I'm unaware of. Holy Spirit, I ask you, inspire me, illuminate me, show me, reveal to me these other demons that the enemy uses against the church. Expand my thinking. Lord, expand my worldview. Holy Spirit, go into every room inside of me that is limited and bound by tradition, by religiosity, by legalism, and set me free. Satan, I command every hidden demon and every other demon that is lurking in the shadows of my mind, of my soul, in my body, in my emotions, in my subconscious. I order you, manifest and reveal yourself and come out of me now. Out, go. I order you in Jesus' name to expose and reveal yourself and come out of me. Go. In Jesus' name, I order you by the authority of Jesus' name that you come out, you leave. I don't care how long you've been inside me. I don't care if you're coming down through a generational curse. I sever every generational curse that is lurking hidden deep within my bloodline. I break it and I sever it now in the name of Jesus. Go in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, remove every demon now in the name of Jesus. Now I want you to pray and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to go there for the next few more moments. And I'm praying this specifically for somebody 
who just recently converted and you are filled and this is all new to you, I pray that the Holy Spirit would grip you and set you free and we begin to reveal to your mind those demons that have been lurking in your bloodline and in your mind and in your soul and in your body for years that they would leave now. I order you now in the name of Jesus. You come out of them. You come out of my sister. You come out of my brother now in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the courtroom of heaven and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I order you to go. Come out of my sister and brother now in the name of Jesus. Every demon, every demon that they venerate through ignorance, every demon through ignorance that they worship and they don't know that they causes divided loyalty to God. Double-mindedness out now in Jesus' name. Out, go. Every demon of Nagal, demon of Nagal, now, out, now, in Jesus' name. Demon of Ashima, causing them to worship their purpose and to venerate their purpose more than worshiping Jesus. Come out of them now in the name of Jesus. Come out. Come out of their worldview now in Jesus' mighty name. Leave. Go. Go. Go and never come back. Never come back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, I speak that you would fill and saturate every person that's watching me now and where the demon was removed holy spirit i'm asking that you would refill and reoccupy and show them where they messed up and where they opened the door i'm hearing the holy spirit saying to confront the demon of doctrine of demon i come against the demon called doctrine of demon doctrine of demons come out of them now in the name of jesus come out of them in jesus name seducing spirit come out in Jesus' mighty name, leave my brother and sister now. In the name of Jesus. Demons that came in through false teaching and wrong theology and wrong philosophy. Out now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Holy Spirit of truth, I'm asking you to invade those areas. And let you reoccupy where those demons were removed now, Father. And Father, we are praying that you would begin to reveal to them expand their thinking so they won't just be looking for the more popularized demons lord but that they would be mindful of the other areas where the demons can slip in lord and that they would be mindful of those areas and you would show them how to get delivered and set free father we are praying and i'm asking you all of this in jesus in jesus name amen and amen. amen and amen so amen. good i know amen. i know i'm reading the chat so many people getting deliverance so many people getting breakthrough people saying they're throwing up people saying they're crying people are yawning they're burping wow. so i'm telling you guys wow. god is releasing mass deliverance there's 3500 of you right now god is releasing the power of mass deliverance this is just the beginning this year we're going to keep going after it in jesus name as he said we're going to be having a part two here guys everyone's asking when are you guys doing part two it's going to be soon guys don't worry god is doing something i want to make sure that you guys so you guys give i'm going to be sending alexander something significant tonight he's poured out into us for almost two hours and so we're definitely going to bless him for all of you that are sowing i'm going to be giving a portion of that to him but also if you want to just spend a minute talking about there's a link in the comments and also a link in the description for the advanced school of deliverance if you want to touch on that alexander i do want to make sure many of you sign up for that tonight because that's something powerful that you can be used to be trained in spiritual warfare Okay, this uh, advanced school of deliverance, we just had it this last December 28th. It's three hours uh, with three sessions in between uh, where we are taking you uh, um, in a crash course of advanced spiritual warfare, which means 
it, within the second hour, I actually get into Ashima more in detail and some of the other demons. We get into Lilith and a couple of other ones. We kind of go into it in detail and then mass deliverance breaks out. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.